From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, March 14th. The Moab Museum recently launched a weekly walking tour that highlights Moab's early history. Every Thursday morning, historian Stephen Zacharias takes visitors to key spots around town as he tells the story of Moab before mining. KZMU's Emily Arnson has more. You have won my love to keep. Yarn Gallus with his Miners get a lot of the glory in the retelling of Moab's history, but really, this town was built by cowboys. Cattle, hogs, uh, some horses are the main focus of today's tour, and how that legacy of stockmen and women who raised those animals then in turn came and invested that money here in in Moab. Stephen Zacharias is a historian at the Moab Museum, and today he's dressed like a turn-of-the-century Moabite. What you see in my attire is the same things that people were wearing up and down Main Street between 1880 and, and uh, 1920. His clothes are reproduction, but his lasso is authentic. The maguey rope made from uh, agave, and that was the preferred rope of the cowboys in southeast Utah at the time. The cowboys of southeast Utah are the main attraction of today's tour. The route takes visitors on a one-mile loop from the museum down Main Street and back. Along the way, Zacharias points out some of Moab's oldest buildings and tells the backstory of the cowboys and ranchers who established them. While we make our way down the street, start thinking about what is a cowboy? What do they look like? Where do they come from? Who are they? The history of cowboys in the Americas starts hundreds of years before the first cowboy comes to Moab. So to understand the cowboys in this region, it's worth looking at the long lineage of Spanish and indigenous and African cultures that made them who they are today. This is the incredibly abridged history starting as far back as the Spanish conquistadors. Bringing cattle, sheep, horses, pigs with them, a group in 1493 lands in what we now call the Dominican Republic. Then the Spanish moved into Florida and central Mexico, bringing with them enslaved people from the Dominican and West Africa. These were the people who took care of the livestock. The Spanish call them vaqueros. Which comes from the Spanish word vaca, which means cow. And as the Spanish spread across Central America, they enslave some of the Aztecs, who also become vaqueros. And as they move north... As those vaqueros then move into Oregon, Idaho, and Nevada, they become known as buckaroos. That's the English translation of vaquero. Meanwhile, enslaved Africans of the American Southeast are taking care of cattle over there. And as a side note, American slaves were never called men. The older men were called uncles, and the working men were called boys, which is actually where we get the word cowboy. We do have evidence, uh, American history, one in four cowboys was black. Including one of Moab's most famous cowboys. 1879 was the first successful overwinter by non-natives uh, in Moab Valley that was recorded. It was William Grandstaff, a black cowboy running horned beef cattle in this region. And over time, the native people of this area also have an important influence on cowboy culture. They're bringing a new knowledge. They can track animals in a way that a vaquero from these other places never did. Even down in Monticello, they talk about some of the old cowboys. They could look at a hoof print and tell you which cow that that hoof print belonged to. 
down to like it's the black and white one that has this mark on its ear. Eventually, Moab pulls in people from around the country. The tour points out the hidden legacies of a lot of Moab's early founders, which can still be seen in buildings around town. Cowboys that come here, they're not all cowboys. They're not all from Texas. They're not all non-Mormon. The myths of the region, I'm sorry to blow those away. Uh, We have a variety of men that come from the Northeast, places like Maine, and we have Great Lakes guys. We have guys from Cincinnati and Louisville. We have other men that come from the American South, and then a couple guys that come from Texas and a couple guys that come from Utah. And they all wind up in a place called Indian Creek. The Moab dream was to set up your cattle operation, make some money, and then... Retire to the Little Green Valley. This Little Green Valley being Moab is also the place where you would find your Sally, the local school mom to be your wife, and and marry on. So we have a handful of men that did just that. But women here weren't just destined to be teachers and wives. They were working the ranches, and they weren't doing it side saddle. They wanted to ride astride. Women in Canyon Country in Utah, they've been doing it since the 1880s, out of necessity. You're cutting cattle, you're moving herds of sheep uh, with and alongside your husband and their cowboys. The tour ends in the museum with the story of two of Moab's legendary cowgirls, the mother-daughter duo Gertrude and Helen Gadlock. Their saddle is on display in the gallery. For more stories about the early cowboys and cowgirls of Moab, you can join Zacharias on Thursdays at 10 a.m. at the museum. For KZMU, I'm Emily Ernson. The Environmental Protection Agency is proposing a soot standard Utah's clean air advocates say it's a step in the right direction, especially for a state where air quality is a top-of-mind issue. Alex Gonzalez, with our partners at the Public News Service, reports. Lindsay Beebe with the Utah chapter of the Sierra Club says good air quality is imperative for Utahns. She says while the new federal standard being looked at by the Environmental Protection Agency to lower limits for fine particulate matter from 12 micrograms per cubic meter of air to between 9 and 10 is a good thing, more should be done. Her group supports more stringent standards being adopted and would like to see an 8 micrograms per cubic meter standard, which she says achieves the best health outcomes according to science. Only so much that an individual can do. And so that's where we really look to our states. And in the case where the state doesn't step up, the EPA to come in and set standards that actually meet our public health needs. BB says air quality impacts Utah's ability to interact and execute daily activities. The American Lung Association ranks several Utah cities among the worst in the country for air pollution. Beebe says people aren't supposed to see or taste the air they breathe and stresses that impaired air quality can have grave health impacts for the elderly and those who are pregnant. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. This April, retired Navajo coal miners who are suffering from the effects of black lung disease will hold a meeting on compensation and other benefits through the Department of Labor. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD has more. The meetings are hosted by Orphelia Thomas, a member of the Navajo Nation and Community Liaison for Positive Nature Home Care, LLC. 
Thomas says the condition, otherwise known as co-worker's pneumoconiosis, is non-reversible, and that retired miners suffering from it who worked in the Navajo mines say they feel mistreated by their past employer. Some of these miners, they stated that when they were working that, you know, they really didn't know what was going on. These miners know conversational English. They don't know the depth and the severity part of any medical issues that they may they have questions on. So a lot of them said that, you know, they never told us this. He never told us this. Thomas also says that she knows of many elderly people that still live by these mines and have issues with respiratory illnesses. They they talk with you like you're their, their, um, their child, their children. They said, my child, please help me. And they say that's Navajo. And when an elderly person tells you this, it, it kind of helps and it, it motivates you to have this word out. She added that she also advocates for uranium miners, but shifted her focus to retired coal miners after it became apparent that there was a need for it in the community. I'm Chris Clements. The Moab City Council is in session today. That's Tuesday. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News previews what's ahead. On the agenda for this week's Moab City Council meeting is an update on ongoing repairs from last year's historic flood and a presentation on the restoration of the Mill Creek bike path. Council members will also hear a budget update and celebrate the start of the Moab Area Transit Service, a pilot public bus program that begins this week. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News. City Council meetings are held on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. and streamed online on Moab City's YouTube page. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, March 14th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.